Shows. And it's Racks of the Real. Welcome back to another episode of Mama Drama. We're here shaking off our food paws. <laughs> we're shaking off our food Oh, we're matching. We're matching. We're coordinating today. Courtesy of Shells. Shells doing Shells idea. Nah. Hope you like it. It's not sponsored, but you know, we're just here anyway. Vibes in. Vibes in. You know, it's quite sunny outside as well. Oh, nice. it is a vibe. Finally, summer is coming. Do you know what I was like to myself the other day? Christmas is actually around the corner. Oh, stop it. It really stop is. It. it is. Stop. Stop. It is though. We haven't even had carnival. We haven't even hit August yet. I know, but we're fully oh my gosh. in May. Like, I time know. is flying. I know. It was January the other day, and here we are. I know. It's wild. It's wild. May? I know, but, you're, you know, but you're saying Christmas, Christmas is far away because something's happening around Christmas. Yeah, no, no, no. But before we get to that one... Before we get to that one... May! May is the best month of the year. <laughs> <laughs> you, she says this, but she loves people born in May. Love I am born in May, literally. okay? And I just think it's great. I was saying to my story recently, there's all these bank holidays around this time. The sun's mm. starting to come out. You've been through the, the roughness of the dark nights and the winter, and it's summertime, it's springtime. It's coming. Summertime, you know? Yeah. It's oh! Summertime. I should just let that one to something else. No, no, no. It, I like May because it, it does get warmer. My mum's born in May, you're born in May. Yeah. Everybody I love is born in May, pretty much. So, yeah, it is an exciting time of the year, a broke time of the year for me as well. Sorry but about it. I know, I'm excited. And I'm going to be 30. Three How zero. are you feeling? How are you feeling? Not sad. <laughs> Good. Yeah, I thought, because you know sometimes people, it, when birthdays come, it can be like a depressed time. Maybe I'm talking too soon. Maybe on the day I'm going to be like, oh my gosh, what's going on with my life? Where am I? Why have I done this, this and this? Because we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to do things by certain ages. Yeah, yeah. And if it doesn't happen, we then beat ourselves up, which is crazy because we just put that pressure on ourselves. Society does it as well. But I feel good, you know? If anything, I'm just like, wow, I'm really entering a new decade. Because the 20s, a lot has happened in our 20s. Mm. Like, I've matured so much as an adult. I've experienced so many things. I've become a mother. A mother. That's why we're shaking mother. our foolpers. <laughs> but yeah, I feel I'm excited for the new chapter. And maybe I'm jumping the gun, but I'm like, whoa. Entering 30 to me means I'm on my way to 40. Pretty much. Yeah. I say this to you, but you're like, no, no, no. I'm still no. 30. No, we are pushing 40. No, I accept that fact. But when okay, you were talking cool. about a few episodes ago, I was just like, yeah, girl, let me just enjoy the last of my 29. Let me enjoy the last <laughs> of my 20s. But it's actually like the end of an era. And my 20s for me, I feel like they've been, um, they've been fun. Mm-hmm. I've had a lot of fun. I've learned a lot through pain. Oh, flipping heck. Maybe we need to do a story time for Rax. Rax's story. Uh, maybe maybe <laughs> but just the things that just things that happened in when life. you become 20 yeah mm. through your that you experience for your 20s it could be like friendship changes things you experience with family relationships becoming a parent a lot of things go down mm. so i'm uh i'm happy i've come through it mm-hmm. you know amen all yeah. intact still Ooh, looking just brilliant about, yeah hanging in there thank you girl <laughs> so i'm excited for the next decade and i feel like Every day is like a chance for like a fresh start. But when you hit like a birthday, it's like, oh, it's a new year. It's like new year, isn't it? New year, mm, new, new me. Year, I don't know, yeah. but it's a whole new decade. It so I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited for everyone that I know who's turning 30. 
Yeah. Yeah, I'm ex- I'm really excited. excited as well. Yeah, I told you. I've been mentally preparing. Like, yeah, I've set goals ready. for myself. I'm ready. Like, I'm actually like, it is what it is. I'm going to be 30. My brother's going to laugh at me. Ah, you're old. Yeah, but I'm not that care. far behind. That's like, the funny thing. Do you know what I mean? It's rude. <laughs> no, people love to do that. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Susanna, I'm going to call you by your name if you're listening. <laughs> yeah. She's always like... um, Mm, you're getting out you're getting out I'm like honey time is in for all of us literally when I met you baby girl she was like 19 yeah and now you're like nearly mid 20s the time is coming for everyone we can't escape it that's why I never understand age shaming you know when some people have debates and they're mm. like eh, yeah you're old you're a crony no one none of us can stop the time I know it's happening we're all aging pray you age gracefully and just enjoy yourself along the way I mean, I do get it when people say, oh, big 36, 35, 38-year-olds are doing nonsense. No, that's fine. That's fine when it's relation to your behaviour and you just ain't acting right. Yeah. But when it's just like, I don't know, say on like, I always talk about Real Housewives. Real Housewives <laughs> Atlanta, they're like, oh, you're washed up, the you're aunties. 40. You're going to be there as well, though. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. It's too much. You just much hope is. you're doing as good as them. But anyway, sorry. No, it's fine. We're doing chit-chat, chit-chat. Today's episode is about social services. And the reason we've decided to speak about this is because there have been so many cases in the news lately and for as long as I've been alive where unfortunately a child has passed away whilst under the care of their parents or primary caregivers and the instant question is like, well, where are social services? What are they supposed to do? And also because I've seen it come up in the context of um, online Twitter drama where someone talks a bit of wreck and then the person they've spoken about is like, oh, I'm going to call social services. They can know that you're an abusive person. You've got a child. So just so people know, when we say this word social services, in respect of children, what it means, when do they get involved, um, when do they when they get a referral, like what happens, when will they actually take a child away? Because it's relevant. I also know of um, circumstances close to me where people's children have been taken away by social services as referred by family members. Mm. Oh, yeah, I had to go, I got into a little Twitter debate about that as well. Really? Tell us, what happened? Do you know what? Yeah, I see things online, and me, I like to, I like conversation. I like to just spark a little, sprinkle a little controversy. Yeah, stir, are you, are you, stir, I'm one on. of them stirrers. Are you the devil? Please, are you the devil? devil advocate? Advocate. 100%. The one that's advocating for the devil. I, absolutely. But why is the role that you choose? No, to choose? Do, you, do you know what? Yeah, wait, before we get into that, though, Rax, let me just park that. When you say social social services, what do you think? I want to hear it from you first before right. we get into the whole. Epi- I'm not in it. I'm not in the profession. When I think social services, it's the people coming in to tell you, or they they come they've come for a reason. It could be because you're actually neglecting your child um, or, or mistreating them. That could be starving them, beating them, not giving them their basic care needs, and then social services come in to either monitor things or take your child away. Okay. Interesting that. Okay, what is it? Okay, so I'm going to tell you guys. If you don't know already, I am qualified social worker. I've been in the role for like what? Over five years. Yeah, let's just put it there because I can never remember. Nearly a decade. Pushing a decade. It's time for me to exit left. (laughs) But (laughs) um, that is pretty much what we do. However, social services... So you've got, I'm going to talk about children's services because that's what I specialise in. So you've got children's services, you've got adult services, you've got child protection, you've got LAC, which is looked after children by the local authority. You have got literally early intervention services, which is typically like services in the community for families who need support. They might need to go to food banks. They might need to access housing. And you just need a little bit of support or managing behavioural issues or children with like autism, etc. And then you've also got... Interesting. Like, mm. 
But I hadn't thought about it in that respect. So if you need support because your child may be on the spectrum, then the social service might help. So it's not, it's a bad thing. Some people see it as a bad thing, like social involved is bad. Literally. And that's my issue. So when we're going to talk about, I'm going to like literally tell you guys, because we are not here to just remove children. The general consensus you'll see online everywhere. Everyone says, I know socials coming. They've taken my kids away, blah, de, blah, de, blah. And it's just like, that's not what, we do that's absolutely not our role our role is to safeguard so um, we basically when you're starting your degree you um, sign up to what we call it used to be something else but they've changed it so many times HEPC so we're regulated professionals um, and we declare that we are going to basically safeguard. So we have mm. to sign things. You know how doctors have to sign that thing to say they're going to look after their patients and all of those things nurses do it. Or work to certain standards. Working to so. standards, etc. yeah. So that's what we do. We're here to safeguard. But most importantly, we're here to provide support because not every family is able to function without having a professional involved or having someone to just guide them and just say, boom, here's what you do in this situation or so on and so forth. So I would say support is the main thing. It's all support, but it's just painted in such a negative... Yeah, you got the social scene as the enemy or it's the bad thing. Yeah. Or if yeah, you want to yeah. get at someone, oh, I'm going to call the social on you. Yeah, but why? It's not seen as a support. I don't, I don't, I don't know where it comes from. Why? I, I don't know. Why? Maybe it's because in the, I say, community or say black community, people are used to dealing with things in-house and anything out or having externals come in is seen as shameful. Why do we need the help from the government to come in? Why are you telling me how to raise my child? And then you've got the cultural differences that probably play a big role as well, where culturally or historically, it was very normal to beat your child. Mm. Whereas social will now come and tell you that it's not. So mm -hmm. it's like, why are, you why are you interfering with my family life? Or why are you telling me how to raise my kids? Mm. I just want to put a disclaimer, everyday disclaimer, but I'm going to talk from my personal yeah. um, experiences of being working in the profession rather than it just being all professional because obviously you have your personal values and then you also have your professional mm. values as well. So um, just so you guys are aware of that. But yeah, no. Okay, so talking about the black community, you have black community, Asian community, anyone that's of an ethnic minority, um... I tend to find that they don't want to go and find that support or they don't yeah. want people coming in, which is what you said. And then when they do come, it's that hush, hush, hush sort of thing. Yeah, like, don't tell anyone. It's shameful. It's shameful, whatever. And then with a lot of the white families, like it's working class families. You can have some families who are literally, I've come across solicitors, barristers, like anyone, literally anyone can come into contact with social services. Um, and when that happens... Basically, it's just anyone can make a referral. So if I wanted to call up, I don't know, let's just use Hackney, for example, Hackney Council, and say, I've got concerns about Rax's daughter, she's, I'm her neighbour, all I hear is screaming coming from the address. That's making a referral. So people snitch or people go and call social services if they've got concerns about a child. You can go through the NSPCC um, and people say, I've got concerns about this mum, blah, 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 blah. A lot of the time, the referrals come from family members or they come from people that the family know. Yeah. Um, so it's not like somebody that they're, they're not, that hasn't been privy or exposed to that family in that context, if that makes any sense. Yeah. And most of the time it's going to come from a place of concern. But then I, you say screaming like a toddler. I think sometimes the way my girl screams sometimes, <laughs> honestly, how come they ever called them on me? <laughs> And then, for example, if I heard in a neighbour's house that their child was screaming, screaming, should I then be like, you know what? 
should I, is this a child that's having a tantrum mm. or is this child actually being abused? Like, when's the right time to pick up the phone to social services? And actually call. Yeah, to, to flag something. That's a good question. Do you know what I say? Um, when, because we get phone calls all the time, like I said, we can get phone calls from anyone. So there's just to break it down a little bit further so you guys fully understand, there's different teams within social services, yeah? So you have like the initial referral hub where all the referrals come in and you have to, we, I say, I'll say we as in social services, we have to sift through everything to decide which actually meets our threshold for that intervention. So if we're going to refer them to early help services or we actually feel like a social worker needs to be involved. Um, so we'll get those phone calls coming in, emails, letters, whatever. And um, people tend not to contact until it's become too much okay so i feel like some some people you can get some neighbors nosy neighbors or you can get some people who are like just they don't like the family like it could be someone that's a malicious referral a malicious referral correct we get loads of them yeah or it could be a family member there's a family feud and then to get back at the family member you're calling social services but why would you do that do you get what i mean you're wasting my time you're wasting people are bitter though aren't they they want it they're doing it as an act of like revenge revenge or to be mean yeah 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 and then you get people who are like, no, nah, I've heard it going on for like a few months now and I just feel uneasy with this yeah. information. So I need to contact. So for me, it's just about exercising your human graciousness. Like if you feel that that child is genuinely at risk and something might happen to them, call, pick up the phone and call. So back to the Twitter thing, um, there was like, oh, I asked a question or somebody had written something along like, um, actually, it might not have been Twitter. It might have been Instagram. I said it on. Like, would you make a referral um, on a family member, child, if you felt that they were at risk or the parent wasn't parenting? And I done a poll on it as well. I asked people to share their views. And a lot of people were like, no, they wouldn't. So my thing is, you would let this child, knowing that they're going through abuse, knowing that something's happening, whether the abuse is... And I'll go... I yeah, let's go over that. abuse so people know, know what, what was into the category. Because some people... Don't actually know, or it's been we've been brought up in a way where certain things are normalized mm. or it's considered normal, whereas through like your lens, it's seen as abuse. So, mm. like, what falls into abuse? Abuse. So, we mainly work under like four categories you've got neglect, so neglect is literally low school attendance, poor housing or home conditions. Um, maybe even no lack of boundaries within the home. The home can be, and I'm going to go to like the 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 end of the spectrum where the house could be really dirty, like the child's not being fed, yeah, um, eating out of bins. Th- those are all things that are classified as neglect. Oh, then, that's remind me of a case. There's so many cases, as you said. There's so said, many cases. But the one I saw online recently where the mum had a drug habit, mm-hmm. and I just mentioned it in this other episode, she was like, actually, if the parent's on drugs, they, if they put the, their child, they will stop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in this woman's scenario, she was a drug addict, and the little boy had asthma, and in oh, the end, yeah. he was like she, found was in the garden. She, she yeah, used yeah, asthma yeah, pump yeah, yeah, like, yeah, to yeah. do her heroin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <sighs> Crazy. So that would be considered a form of neglect as well. Then you've got sexual abuse, which is obviously touching sexual assault. Could happen in the family. Could happen outside of the family home. You've got emotional abuse if a child is exposed to domestic violence, or if a family member saying that child's fat. It's just psychological. I think that one is the one that probably goes under the radar the most. A hundred percent. 
because it's just seen as normal. People don't deep the impact of emotional abuse or deep the impact of saying certain things to a child. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This, this sounds pathetic, but I've got someone in my family who always go to my daughter and be like, I'm not your friend, but it's just excessive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm yeah. Just like, well, can you just... Like, if she doesn't do something that they want her to do, they'll say, I'm not your friend. I'm like, yeah, can, well, you, can you stop? Because yeah. why, why, why are you putting that over her head? Or why are you making her feel bad because she's not doing what you want to say and you're saying... You're going to make her feel bad by saying you're not her friend. Like, can we, can we not? Yeah, But yeah. that person is just very normal. And, oh, I'm playing, I'm teasing. And I'm just like, well, actually, I think it's emotionally abusive. So yeah, yeah. I don't want to play that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So emotional abuse is very hard for us to prove that that is actually what's happening. Um, and then you've also got, what else have you got? Physical abuse, which is one of, like, the biggest ones. Like, beating, smacking. Um, but, again, the extremes, using implements, beating your child with sticks... All of those things we've spoken about in previous episodes as well. Like, so those are the cate- the main categories that we work under. And then it's just, it's, it's tricky because sometimes you get a whole mixture of everything going on. So again, there's another term that was used ages ago, like the toxic trio. Like mm. if a parent's got mental health or if they're using drugs, alcohol... And then there's also domestic abuse in the household. That's the toxic trio. So there's it's a lot going on for a child to, to grow up in. Yeah, 100%. Um, and another thing that I wanted to mention was the fact that I think, in my view and opinion, I think 0 to 5-year-olds, and we say it all the time, they're most vulnerable because obviously you're more reliant on your, your carers, the primary carer, whoever it might be, grandma, granddad, mum, dad, auntie, uncle, to provide all your needs for you. Yeah. So those children are particularly vulnerable because, A, they have no concept of time. So a child can say, oh, my mum and dad beat me with a stick and then we could say, okay, so when did it happen sort of thing? Um, and they're not able to recollect exactly it happened to me on Tuesday at 4 30 p.m yeah. so it makes it very difficult to say actually yes it has happened and then um b obviously some of the kids can't speak not to five like some people that's can't increasingly speak. a thing yeah less and less of them can yeah so who do they tell how do they come out with that information um children though mm. they will speak to someone that they feel comfortable with like, and you hear it a lot of the time in like the serious case reviews or the the cases that come to light and the media gets involved you hear that the child has gone and told someone, either a teacher in the school, it could have been a family member, I don't want to go home, or my mum's not going to feed me when I get home. And then it's up to that adult to say, actually, you know what? Yeah, I'm a bit worried. Or, like, what do you do with that information? The child has come and told you they're seeking comfort and they want you to save them from whatever experiences they're going through. And then you have to kind of think, okay, cool, it's time for me to call social services or let me go and speak to that adult or let me go and do something about it. It is hard. It's hard. It's difficult. And then, like you mentioned, like the domestic violence and the mental health aspect. But people are always like, an innocent child, how could you do it to an innocent child? Which is absolutely correct. Children are innocent. They're helpless. Mm-hmm. Yet they experience abuse from adults who are actually also vulnerable mm-hmm. a lot of the time and aren't. They're getting beaten up by life mm-hmm. in most cases. Like they could have mental health issues or they're struggling with poverty, mm-hmm. which has caused them to lash out on their children. It's the reason, it doesn't justify it, but it's like the reason as to why it's happening. Mm-hmm. 
Well, some people are just pure evil. That's true. <laughs> that is some true. Some people, some parents are genuinely actually just evil. Yeah. Like, and they actually, there's no reason. Like, if you have a house, a roof over your head, you have food in your fridge and you're able, like, even it's bread, bread and butter, yeah? You can give them and your something. child has school uniform, they get school dinners. Like, there's no actual reason why a child should experience that Level kind of, of yeah. level of abuse like it's just evil some do love the I don't, do you know what it's difficult I, mean, I might say the power it's like picking on someone on your own side they like to pick on children because they're defenseless or to take out their stresses of the day on mm, the child mm. so you like you had a stress day at work and your child's doing something they were like ah, just doing too much and crossing the boundary yeah there's that and then there's the, the abuse like that is to me I do that and people could say, oh, that's abusive. Like, if I've had a hard, long day or a hard, long week, in fact, yeah. and it's getting to the end of the week and you're literally driving me up the wall, I'm a shout. My neighbours probably heard me raise my voice. Mm. Someone will say, I she's shouting. I'm surprised the neighbours haven't... Stop <laughs> In it! In the social <laughs> Literally. Stop it! No! What are you doing? No, come it! Crying every second. But I'm not abusing my child. It's just that it's gotten to the point where... I can't tolerate it. Maybe as an adult, but where does it, where does it get to abuse though? Yeah, when does it get to that level of yeah, abuse? Is abuse. It that if, it, if it's happening daily, daily. I'll, do you know what? Yeah, again, it just depends. Like it depends on the severity, and it also depends on. It also depends on the um, the frequency as well. Someone like some could say that is an abusive environment for a child to grow up. Like a parent constantly shouting, but again, I've used the words constantly. If mm. It's happening all the time then that child is likely to suffer some form of emotional harm. Yeah. Because their, their response is going to be, oh, my mum, if I do this or do that, my mum is just going to shout. Or the, the household is just, just highly toxic. Like, everyone's mm. just shouting. And then that child's just there, like, scared. And it does affect their behaviour. So in school, they might show us them, like, not speaking. Yeah, not speaking. Or not eating or wetting themselves. themselves. Pooing themselves. Like, some kids might then pick on other children, bullying. There's loads of things. Like, children... They pick up on everything and then what they're exposed to, it manifests in other ways as well. And it's just, it's actually crazy how it all like intertwines. Interlinked into it, adulthood. Literally. But that's what, for, for me, like school is great, nurses are great, but that's one of the, the alarming things because when you send your child out into these spaces, they're mixing with children who are all coming from different homes and there's no telling what is going on in their home, mm -hmm. what they're experiencing, which could result in them being in the educational childcare space, bullying your child, showing them porn, trying mm -hmm. to touch them inappropriately. There's just so many things that can happen Absolutely. in the school setting or like nursery setting. Literally. And it's all coming from the house. So it's crazy. So in terms of like us becoming involved, when we get those referrals, um, we then have to decide, okay, cool, does this does a social worker need to come out or yeah. can we offer the family support? And this is where a lot of families don't like it. So if they we get a referral and they don't know about it, um, and we call them, so like, why is a social worker calling me? Or I've had people crying down the phone. If you hear my work day someday, <laughs> I'm having, oh my gosh, I'm so scared, I'm so scared. And I'm like, why are you scared? Because like, I think you're going to take the baby away. That's literally, I'm saying, like, why are you scared? That's the first that's thing, I yeah, take my yeah. child away. That is literally the first thing they say. Are you going to take my child away? So I want to make it very clear Social workers, we do not have any. We have zero, zero powers to remove a child, okay? We can only take children away, and I say take children away, and I want to even get into that as well, 
if a judge in the court has provided us or granted the local authority an order to say that child needs to be removed, okay? So but when would you apply for that order? When would you think, whoa, yeah, this child needs to go to Needs to go. So it, again, so I'm going to go on to the, the snitching part. So we work very closely with the police, yeah? The police have powers to police protect. So if the police are attending a property, let's just say, I'm going to give you guys a scenario. Dad has, the dad has, it doesn't always have to be the dad. Let's say, let's make it the mum for once, yeah? The mum... Which is true. Yeah, it's not... It's women not, inflict violence on men as well. The mum has battered the dad left, right and centre. The child is there. The neighbours call the police. Um, there's blood everywhere. The house is a tip. The police have gone in and they say, no, nah, this child cannot stay in this house tonight. The police have powers to police protect, okay? So they take them into police protection. The police will then contact social services and say, we've got this child in police protection. What are you guys going to do with them? Then we have to start running around and say, actually, okay, a social worker needs to come out. Are there any family members that this child can go and stay with? And Uh, then we do assessments. That's good to know because people think automatically if you're coming, you're coming to put them in a care home, foster home. So the first port pool is actually family? Yeah, yeah. So the child can remain within the family. Obviously, we'd have to do further assessments and it's a a process, but we'd say, is there someone that that child can stay with imminently on that night because of the severity of what's happened? If not... Um, and we're not able to find anyone, then we start, okay, cool, the local authority, because the local authority has a system whereby if a child, if there's concerns... How does the family search go, though? Mm. Do you, like, ask the parent who is there and they give you numbers? Yeah, yeah. So it will be like, okay, so we'll speak to either the victim in that scenario. Is there anyone that your child can go to? Um, Or if they're the victim and the child, we might rehouse them... um, we'll find them somewhere to stay together. If it's both parents perpetrating that abuse towards that child, then we're taking that child out. And then it's likely that we probably wouldn't place them with family members until certain assessments are done on the family members because family members, like we know, conceal information. They might be part of it as well. We don't know. So on that basis, we might say, okay, we have to find an emergency foster placement. Um, Mm. And that child then becomes what we call a looked after child. Okay. Um, Looked after is basically the local authority is the parent of that child and you provide them with certain funds, blah, blah, blah. They have somewhere to stay, foster care, so on and so forth. Um, So that would be, that's the process. But we, we don't come in and remove, but the media and everyone thinks that, it's yeah, it's like, why didn't you do oh if yeah especially when things if a child unfortunately passes away it's like why didn't the social take them away sooner or why were their parents allowed to have th- that child for so long mm-hmm. if social services were aware we're aware that's a good question that is a good i ask myself that all the time like if we're aware of something why mm. why is why did it get to that point um but then i'm gonna flip it and, and like, i also hear you guys are overworked so is it like a caseload issue girl you just answered my question so we've got loads of cases like a social worker mm. can typically hold up to uh maybe 30 it depends on the local authority how much cases are coming in 30 children on a caseload family wise that could be seven eight nine ten families that you've got there that you you've got to juggle that you've got to do assessments for okay then you've got time scales for the assessments you've got 45 working days to complete your assessment okay that's guided by the law and then in terms of visits like if we say actually yeah we feel that child's at risk we're worried about what's going on there's child in need plans child protection plans child in need plans um you typically would visit what i think it's every mm, you'd hold the child in need meeting every six weeks and then you'd visit the child maybe once a month it depends on what's agreed in the plan child protection that's tough though because within a month like within one day 
things change. So much can happen with a child and a parent in one day. Literally. Let alone a week. Let alone a month. month. Literally. But that that's that's the actual the statutory kind of guidelines. You can do more visits than that if you feel actually this family require more of my assistance. Then you've got child protection where a child needs to be seen at least once a week or once every fortnight. So that means the, the local authority have to provide a lot more services to that family because we've got obviously a lot of concerns. Mm. So those are the sorts of plans that we'll put in place and we'll um we'll try and work with the family. And when we're not looking at it as we're gonna put your child on a child protection plan, we're looking at it as okay, we're offering you support. Okay. So when we're saying child in need plan, it might be that the family are struggling a little bit. Yes, we've got safeguarding concerns, but we know that actually in order for your family to thrive, we need to say the school needs to be up in their antics a bit more. If the child needs dental work and the mum hasn't been taking them to the dentist, we will book appointments, say, oh, wow. let's get you Helpful. to the dentist. Let's make sure that all the professionals who could possibly be involved with your family are there to give you all of that guidance, that support, to make yeah. sure the children's basic needs are being met. Child protection is obviously a little bit more serious. We've actually got concerns. The child has suffered harm or they're likely to suffer harm in the care of their parents, but it hasn't met the threshold for us to say, actually, no, we need to call our legal, we need to sit down and we need to go to court and then go and get those orders. So there are steps before, um, and I always say to parents, um, like, we, we're offering you the opportunity yeah. to work with us. Like, you may not want to, you may not want to have a social worker, but it's your opportunity to actually put things right. Initially, and... I can see how it's hostile, isn't it? Someone says, your door, you're thinking, what are you doing here? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? What do you mean you're going to tell the school? The yeah, school! The school! This is the thing. My GP? Literally. Literally. And that's what it's it is. taboo, isn't it? Basically, it is, it it's still is. taboo. The thing is, we, we're supposed to work in partnership. Like, it's called a multi-agency approach. So in partnership with the GP, schools, police, health, midwifery, health yeah. visitors, all of the services that you just normally go to and just do We have to work in partnership because you might go for your midwifery appointment and might say, oh, my partner, he's been bear abusive. He's yeah, they do up. ask you that when you're pregnant. They do. They're, there we go. Are you okay? Do you feel safe? Are you yes. threatened? And that's their way of gauging whether there's any safeguarding concerns. Okay. If they've got concerns, yeah, because domestic abuse... The health abuse, have done that as well when she came. So yes. Are you okay? Are you, are you okay? Safe? Are you safe? Yeah. yeah, they do that. And then if you say, no, I'm not safe, or you wink twice, like, get me out of here sort of thing they will make an immediate referral to children's services. So that's how it works. So when they ask you these questions, it's not because they, that yeah, they do care, but they also have a duty to safeguard as well. So when we're saying... I think, let's mm, pause for an important point. If you are feeling genuinely threatened and you are not feeling safe, when these people ask you the questions, don't necessarily see them as the enemy and they're going to take away your child from what shows, letting us know they're actually there to support and help. Mm -hmm. So if you are feeling like you need a support or you need an escape or you are in an abusive environment use the help that's available to you because they could help improve a situation. Absolutely. Um, and we work very, very closely with them as well. We ask them for information. Like, in pregnancy, this is to the mums, um, domestic abuse does tend to... It, we've got facts and figures to say that domestic abuse heightens in pregnancy. Why? Yeah. Why? We just, why? Why? That woman's so vulnerable at that time. Yeah. Why? And that's it. and domestic abuse it doesn't even have to be physical. It could be financial abuse. It could be sexual abuse. It could be the guy's not have and he wants to have sex and then he rapes her whatever for whatever reason. And then the police have a report. They share it with us. So we also get referrals from our partner agencies as well. Like if you call out the police 
and there are children in your home, and I want to make this clear, there's children in your home or you're pregnant, the police have a duty to share that information with children's services and they will share that. They may, they should tell you, good practice is for those professionals to tell um, the parent, say mm. it was Rax, Rax, we're going to, you've called us today, you've got my at home, we have to make a referral um, to children's services. Whether you want it, that's just our, pro, that's the process. So that's what will happen. And then obviously from there, we'll then contact and say, are you okay? Do you need support? So on and so forth. So we don't, just remove children it's about support that is it's about it's yeah i just want to make it very clear we don't have those powers the media paints it out like we can just knock on your door and basically yeah (laughs) you think so at your door you come and take my child away no 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 that is literally what people think sometimes no i mean yeah you have cases where and i think a lot of outside people they wouldn't understand they'll be like oh i've seen i know someone personally and they've had their children removed so i don't really trust services but that person has had like loads and loads of opportunity Mm. to make sure that they're a being the best parent that they can be and b they have the support in place now people you we can't force you to engage we can say yeah, we think you should be engaging with the school a bit more to get their attendance better. Yeah. Or you should clean up your house. I've been in, I've stepped foot into some dirty houses. It's crazy. Whenever I see things like that online, I'm like, you just think, how can someone, but I just think, oh, maybe they're really, really depressed or something. But I just think, how? How can you live in such squalor? People like, not function in that for squalor. The for the kid. They're not, and that's the thing. If you've got like severe mental health or you've got other issues going on and there's a lot of things going on, sometimes it's difficult for you to function. But then you 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 can't you when you're a parent you can't think you you can't think about yourself that's Literally. the long and short of it and you as a parent have a duty and I always put it back to the parents I'm a very straight talking professional like I will say this is your child the local authority did not engage in any activity to help you have that child this is what the midwife should be saying though or when the person gives birth or maybe in the sex ed classes or whatever just to mm. drill it at home because I think. It's, not everyone's getting it. Mm, they're not. Like, the responsibility lies there. You're <laughs> actually responsible for correct, for forming or raising a human being who's going to be a functioning member of society one day. Absolutely. Like, and you're responsible for keeping them alive every day until that point. Every day. And it's your duty. And the thing, the great thing about where we live in, in the world, the Western world, if you don't feel like you can fulfil your duty as a parent, you can go to social services and you can say, I mm. don't want my child. As sad as it sounds, or it may be, that if you genuinely feel like you can't do it, and things are above you and you you just are at the end of your tether, you can go to local authority and say, you know what, I can't do it. I don't want the support. I just, I don't want this child. Wow. And under section 20 of the Children Act 1989, you can go look it up, you can give your, like, the child will become looked after with parental consent. Okay, so the parent will sign a document and blah de blah de blah That typically happens a lot there with teenagers where they're beyond, like... They're just doing the most madness. And parents are like, I've had enough. The police are at my yard all the time. I can't deal with it. It's impacting my other children. Get them out of my house. Wow. So we have that all the time. So, again, that's something for you to be aware of. Like, that service is there. So when it gets to the point where children are being abused to the point where they're actually dying, that parent had the choice to go to local authority and okay. say, I don't want that child. So I'm sorry. Yes, we have a role to play. Yes, we're supposed to safeguard. Yes, we have a duty to make sure children are safe. And sometimes we miss things. We, again... To be honest, the caseload is hard. It's hard. It is hard. It is hard. But it, it might not forget. If you know a child's had like a cracked rib or so-and-so, yeah. then you guys might um, heighten it on your list of priorities to deal with. But 
maybe the government needs like a push for social workers that like make tuition fees free or something just to get more more in they do they they had a lot of drive like when baby p happened like it takes like these serious case reviews yes they do happen and i feel like people feel like it's probably happening loads like it happens yeah. a lot but it's not if you think about it, if we have like i don't know a thousand cases coming in and maybe once a year or once every two years you're hearing a, a child dies yeah. that it, it's actually not a lot in the grand scheme it's a yeah, very a small, small percentage, percentage of children that that do um unfortunately pass away um in those circumstances um but yeah the cases are high we have a lot of paperwork to do the there's a lot of work to do we don't live in these families homes 24 mm. 7 so if you're not a social worker or a practitioner who's very like you know what i don't trust what that parent's saying to me i'm gonna go look under the bed or i'm gonna go check your fridge or I'm well, gonna can do... you do that? Can you actually go to someone's house and open up their fridge? Absolutely. I've done it. I've told her to open... I've told people... So, but, wait, so if you come and you say, <laughs> open up your fridge, and I'm like, no, what happens? Are we fighting with the fridge door? Like, what actually Whether happens? I'm going to say, I need to see inside your fridge, so you need to let me see inside your fridge. If we've got concerns yet about neglect and those concerns come in... But what if they ain't been shopping yet and they're going to go? No, no, no. Well, then you told me that. But let's, let's work, like, the thing is, you have to build relationships. It's all about building a relationship. Mm. So on my first visit, I would never go into someone's house and say, open up your fridge, let me see what's in your fridge. I wouldn't do that. First visit, I'm becoming acquainted with you. You need to know who I am, know what I'm about, know what we're doing, yeah. know what the services are. If I'm visiting you once a week, once every other week, and you're on a plan for six, seven, eight months, I'm telling you to open that damn fridge, and you're going to open the fridge. Period. So what if I say no though? If you say no, then I'm gonna say she has something to hide, and I'm gonna tell you you're right. I'm writing that in the report. I asked mum to open the fridge and she refused. Therefore, I'm concerned. That's the part people don't like though. It's like that's where it gets intrusive, it's isn't it? They're like, what do you mean to open my fridge? And if I don't tell you, you're gonna write it in your report. A hundred percent. They're gonna break your pen. Like, what are you doing? But I understand why you have to do I that. Have to do so it. then, what if there's like a money concern? Then mm. are you able to like get the more benefits or something? Absolutely. And then again, we're like advocates as well. Social workers, we we wear many hats. We're advocacy, so we'll work with the local council will help people get on their benefits sort out their housing write supporting letters okay um if you're not registered obviously you've got a lot of people that are coming over and they're asylum seekers and they don't have any documents nothing we um liaise with the home office we do all of those things to make sure that people and their children most importantly are safe and they have their basic needs Basic needs is shelter, food, warmth, education. education. And what happens if like someone's had their child taken away? Is it easy for them to get their child back in their care? Like, how hard is it? It's very hard. Okay. It happens. Some people do. It depends on the order. Um, so, again, we might have a supervision order, or the supervision order is the child might be on a child protection plan, but we've gone for an order as well. Mm. And we're supervising them to see whether that child can remain in that home. Um, it depends on the order. Most of the time, though, if a child has been removed from a parent's care, the uh, the abuse and the level of abuse has been so significant to the point where we don't feel like that child was able to remain in their care. And actually, they would be at greater risk remaining in their care. So... The more you talk, the more questions I've got popping. Because I'm thinking, <laughs> to the professional, if I, as a parent, like, what are the key th- things I want to think about? Well, we can't do everything. We have to wrap up soon. Yeah. But um, another one I was thinking of, if a person's had one child taken away and then they go to have more children, is it an, a by right of thing that because you failed with one, that the others will be taken away as well? 
as 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 bad be as on it, the radar rather you are definitely on the radar so okay. as soon as we find out that mum is pregnant yeah we are going to do an assessment okay circumstances change so there might be other factors i've had cases before where it was to do with the man and he was the reason why she was unable to have that child we then she gets pregnant by another man okay and then the circumstance could be very different. They're married okay. or they're together, they're in a yeah. relationship, they're settled, blah, 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 blah. She may be able to have that child remain in her care. We will we'll offer, um, obviously, the plans that I've mentioned before. And it's likely that we'd be reviewing to make sure, because obviously the history tells us yeah. that even though we remove because of those circumstances, you as a mother fail to protect. And that's how it, it's sad, as sad as it sounds, even if you're going through the most difficult, challenging time of your life and you're a victim in the circumstance, again, your priority, you've got parental responsibility. When you sign that birth certificate, that child is your responsibility until they're 18. So regardless of what you're going through, mm. your child is your priority. So you need to get your ass out with your child. That's that's the hard thing that's <laughs> worth touching on because women will stay in thing because of love or it's their dad or they feel trapped that they can't go out on their own or he's going to come and chase them so they'll stay out of love or attachment but the child is suffering in the meantime. And that could be with the parent of their child or with new partners. Another case where a white lady had a mixed race child um, with a black man. For whatever reason that relationship was no longer happening. She had a new white partner who turned out to be a racist and was subjecting her child to abuse. So, you can leave a situation if it's someone you love. Put your child first place is what we're, is what we're saying. And also, don't sit back and let someone abuse your child as well because it could end up with them ending up being taken away in the system and you being marked as a bad mum for life. Period. And what happens to the snitch? So someone, when the people call up and make this, do they get updates of like, oh, this is what we're going to do, this is what's happening? Some people are so damn nosy. They but want they updates. To find out. They'll be like, oh, so do you, no, you don't have parental responsibility. You've made the referral. I make it very clear though yeah. when I take phone calls. You've made the referral. That's where your job is done. You're not even, you're not a worker. <laughs> like, you've given us... They want to know, like, what's going on? No, 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 and no. Also, do you have to tell the parent who reported them? Okay, so it depends. Um, if it's come from, if it's another parent, because mm. parents make reports on each other all the time. Oh. Yeah, especially if they're going through, like, the court proceedings or whatever. Okay. One parent will call and say, oh, she shouted out, da 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 Or he did this, he did that. He takes cannabis, he does that. He smokes weed. He was driving with the kids. She was under the influence. She's got another they do all the time I we said it depends on local authority but most time we'll say dad has contacted us and said x y and z yes I, I know your situation will become worse because you're going to go and argue with each other whatever but that's the long and short of it if it's come from a member of the public though or it's we'll typically say it's, we've received an anonymous referral so it's anonymous referral we wouldn't say it's a neighbor because we don't want I don't know, people do crazy things like putting fire through the letterbox and oh whatnot and feed. So we have to be very careful as to yeah. not place that person at risk as well. So more time, it is anonymous referrals. If it's come from maybe a family member, depend on the local authority, but more specifically a parent, we will say that other parent has told us this and we're actually concerned about that. Whew! Will. We've actually covered a lot in a short space of time. <laughs> that was concentrated. Mm -hmm. um, but thanks for your expertise. I just thought it was really important to know. We see these cases all the time. Like, to know, are you guys actually dropping the ball here? And also to know, like, well, we know that people are overworked. They have high caseloads and you guys are doing your best. And most importantly, that the services are there to support parents and to help and can act as advocates when it comes to getting more money, benefits, sorting out housing conditions, getting you away from domestic, domestic violence situation, abusive partners. So, wow. Yeah, so I just wanted to add, we don't have powers. 
to remove children. This is my last closing word. But you can make a case for it to we happen. We can make a case for it to happen. We could build a very good case for it to happen. So, um, yeah, just be be open-minded. We're not going to remove your children away from you at all. Our primary, primary goal is to make sure that you're safe, the children are safe, and they have a stable environment. Um, and, yeah, the media is just... They, they have to make headlines they have to make the news juicy so they're going to throw someone under the bus and what I like to say on that is it's not social services it's not the doctors it's not the GP yes we have a duty yes we do we do have oversights or undersights or side sites whatever you want to call it but ultimately it was that parent who done that wickedness to that child um, and that's the reason why they're no longer on the planet so yeah so sad and something to the snitches. No, maybe snitches, <laughs> bad, such bad connotations. Something for the pe- for people who are thinking that they might need to raise a referral. Like, what would you say to them? Like, when's the right time? Should they liaise with the family first? I think you should try. If you know the family, like, if you're a family member and you know the family and you know that child, I would always say try and offer your assistance first. If you feel that that's not working and you're really genuinely worried about the safety of that child and you think that actually you can't go to sleep at night, yeah, and your human, whatever that thing is, is kicking in, your conscience is kicking in, then you need to pick up the phone because if you don't feel that you can do it and it's going to place you as an outcast in your family, then call the phone, make an anonymous referral and say, I've got these concerns. At least you've reported it and at least you know you've done exactly what you needed to do. If you're making malicious referrals, because the people that like to just pick up the phone don't waste my time. Don't waste anyone else's time because we have a lot of work to do. So stop being malicious. If Message. you know that that child is okay, there's no need for you to do that. If you don't like the parents, just let bygones be bygones, but don't do that because we case record everything and that goes on a child's file. And if they get older and they want to read it, it's very unfair to see some of the stuff that we see when it's very malicious as well. So, yeah. That's been Marmad and Pod. <laughs> Racks and shells. <laughs> <laughs> Hope you enjoyed Mama Drama Pod on every social media fa- platform. Subscribe on YouTube, follow on Instagram, follow on TikTok, follow on Twitter. Rate us five stars. You can let us know what you want us to discuss as well. And run up our old episode. This is episode 80. What? 8-0. So we have a 79. Wait, 79.5 yeah. episodes for you to watch. Um, particularly Aisha's one, which is our most recent one. Thanks, Aisha, for coming on, being so real, so raw, so authentic, and just sharing your truth. We appreciate it. So, yeah, we mama out. drama to the world. Bye. Bye.